It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This episode of BGN Radio is brought to you by Clip It, the hottest app that is out there. Watch TV, make clips, and share. For more information, check them out at clipit.tv or check them on Twitter at clipittv. Welcome into the 27th edition, a.k.a. the Malcolm Jenkins, a current Super Bowl champion edition of the Counterpoint Podcast, brought to you by BGN Radio and BGNRadio.com. I'm your host, Jack Fritz, as always. And on today's show, we're going to talk about the the, the post-football season weirdness of life in general. Uh, How many times have you rewatched the game? Uh, and what we what we've taken away from the game every time we re, we rewatch it, uh, my Eagles headlines of the week because I kind of read the news differently than a lot of people. I don't know some people just don't have a, the second level knowledge that I have. Um, my vision of Howie waking up every morning. Mm, we have the the return of the hashtag 100 take of the week, except it's hashtag 100 takes of the week. They go to two people. Who both need to get away from covering this sport. Uh, since it's Valentine's Day, I'm recording this on Valentine's Day. So if, even though you won't listen to this on Valentine's Day because you're doing more important things like being a, a cordial husband slash boyfriend to your to your girlfriend slash fiance slash wife who you have left by the wayside due to being all in on the Eagles for the past like six months. You to take care of them and thank them for staying with you through football season because, uh, you know, you know, Valentine's Day comes up at, at the absolute perfect time because it's right after the Super Bowl. And, you know, it's, I think, I think they design, I think God designed Valentine's Day to come out right after the Super Bowl because he knew that a lot of husbands were going to have to do some, some real work on Valentine's Day to make up for all of their football watching for the past six to eight months. So, shout out to the big man upstairs for making Valentine's Day on February 14th. Very smart. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to do things I love about the Eagles. Which sounds corny and cliche, but I love the Eagles. And I'm going to tell them exactly why I love them so much. And finally, we're going to get into the mailbag. Loaded mailbag. A lot of tweets this time. 
Uh, we have some we have some um, slogan suggestion ideas. Again, as always, you can send your mailbag questions to counterpointmailbag at gmail.com. And as always, I'm still taking slogan ideas for when we see our when we see each other on the street and we have a we want we want to know if we can actually have a real football conversation rather than your average just like, oh yeah, how about them Eagles? You know. Still looking for those. I think we got some uh, ideas in the in the mailbag this week, so we'll get to them as well. But post football season is is a weird spot. Uh, if you follow me on Twitter, which you can always do at JackFritzWIP, I've been tweeting about hockey a lot. Jackie Pucks is back, and Jackie Pucks only comes out during hockey season slash it only comes out post football season. I'm in a weird spot. I'm fist-pumping Flyers victories. I'm reading Philly Spring training articles. I'm all in on the Sixers. Just like, it's it's weird branching out. And also, I just realized I'm all in on all these Philly sports teams now. Just all in. No matter what. Just all in. Because I just believe in this city that these teams are... are the other teams are looking at the Eagles and being like, wow, they lost their, their franchise quarterback, their franchise left tackle, their franchise middle linebacker, uh, their best their, their best uh, special teams player, their versatile back, and they still won the championship. Why can't we do it? And I'm kind of just watching every team, seeing if they can feed off that Eagles energy. I don't know. Post-football season is a weird spot. I've been working out. I ran hills today for some reason. I was like, well, I know the real reason. I didn't want to go to the gym slash drive to the gym. So I just went in my backyard and ran some hills. Post-football season is a weird spot. It's a weird spot because you're used to like the ramp up to the game and then all Sunday you're sitting on your ass and watching football and gambling and drinking and food and wings and like that's all gone. Now it's back to the real world, back to real life. We don't want to go be back in real life, but we have to be post-football season. And that's where I'm at right now. Post-football season is, is a weird spot, a really weird spot. You start noticing things differently. Start, the, 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 the sky looks a little brighter for some reason. Post-football season's weird. I'm fist-pumping Flyers goals, which I've never done before, but I'm just all in on this city right now, winning everything. So uh, Philadelphia's about to be title town USA, thanks to the sieve that the Eagles just opened. I don't know, man. I'm adjusting post-football season. I don't know if I'm adjusting well. I don't know if I'm adjusting healthily, if that's a word. That's definitely not a word. But we're here. We're here. And guess what? We're still world champions, which is great. Um, so... How many times have you rewatched the game? How many times have you rewatched the Super Bowl? Because I'm up to six, and I feel like I notice uh, something different every time. And what I noticed this time, for example, was Nate Gary, and not for anything that Nate Gary did on the field. It was the fucking sieve Nate Gary was after the game. Now, I I didn't see a, a human being cry more than Nate Gary cried when the Eagles won the Super Bowl, and I didn't understand why. Nate, buddy, what did you do this year? I mean, you came in. I saw you. I saw you on the field once, non-special teams wise. I saw you on the field making plays one time this this entire season. What? You're, first off, you're a rookie. You barely played. You're from Wisconsin. Like you're not even from the area. You barely played, and you're 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 the the, the most emotional after the Eagles win the Super Bowl. I should be more emotional than you, Nate Gary. Twenty three years loving this team. You. Eight months being on the team, not doing much while on the team. You don't get to cry more than I get to cry, Nate Gary. So figure your shit out. Next year, I don't want to see you like a sieve. You got it? I know you listen to the podcast. So my advice to you, Nate Gary, hold it together. Now, if if another 10 years goes by and you're on this team still, 
And we haven't won one since the since your first year. And you develop into this linebacker that guards running backs out of the backfield. Like that's what I thought you were gonna do. Turns out that it ended up being Michael Kendrick's job. And now it's actually more Malcolm Jenkins' job than anything. But I thought Nate Gary was going to be that guy. Turns out wasn't ready for it. But in 10 years, you could be that guy, Nate. And I, you can be emotional as you want in 10 years. I mean, 10 years of being on the Eagles is equivalent to my 23 years of being a fan. So just think about that. Think about, think about the fans out there, Nate. We don't want to see you being waterworks. We want to see Jason Peters being a waterwork. We want to see Brent Selleck in waterworks. Nate Gary, come on. Come on. Uh, let's recap what happened in Eagles land this week with Jack's headlines of the week. The Eagles are still world champions. Still number one. Uh, although Mike Pereira came out this week and said that the, the formation the Eagles line up with was illegal, which, uh, shove it, Mike, first of all. And second off, the Patriots got away with winning three Super Bowls videotaping other teams' practices, which I think is probably a little worse then maybe or maybe not having a, a legal formation. So why don't you shove it and also tell all the Patriots fans that they can also shove it as well because you got away with winning so many Super Bowls on so much bullshit. Get over it. You lost Super Bowl. You got your ass kicked in a Super Bowl. Get over it. So this week we lost John Filippo and Frank Reich. Uh, first off, fuck Josh McDaniels because if Josh McDaniels doesn't back out, and he takes that job. Reich maybe goes somewhere else. DiFilippo leaves for the Vikings, which is sure. I mean, like, DiFilippo leaves for the Vikings. He, we replace the quarterback coach wherever. And Frank Reich stays. He's the offensive coordinator. Things are great. Or, or if Josh McDaniels was never a thing and he could have backed out earlier, then Frank Reich took, could have taken the Colts job and John DiFilippo could have got moved up to offensive coordinator, and we wouldn't have be having this problem where now the Eagles probably aren't going to go with an off with we're going to go without an offensive coordinator, which like is fine, but like at the same time you're you're replacing you're trying to replace what John DiFilippo and Frank Reich did from a game planning standpoint, from working with Carson standpoint, with two young coaches who I think are great and could be something in this league. But they're young coaches and they don't have the same kind of game plan experience that Frank Reich had. So I'd rather, Doug, slash Eagles. Now, I know this is going to sound like I'm yelling at you, but I would, I would rather you go out there and, and just find an experienced coach that can come in and help Doug game plan. Because I think Doug's great, but I think Doug also benefited of having really good game planning assistance around him to, 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 to make Doug as good as possible. So. I would feel more, I would sleep better, Eagles, if you go out and find an offensive coordinator. I don't care. I mean, just find someone that, that, that knows a little bit about game planning. They don't have to do much with the, with the quarterbacks. Get an experienced guy in here, kind of like Frank Reich, and, and don't, don't do this whole non-offensive coordinator thing that you're trying to pull off. Now, the guy becoming QB coach is Press Taylor. Now, I am worried about Press Taylor being the QB coach. Why? Because the name Press, he should be a cornerback slash defensive back coach or a wide receiver coach. I don't know how you transition from being what you were to being a quarterback coach with the name Press. I'm out on Press Taylor. Press is a bad name. Press is not a quarterback guru's name. It's just not. That is a that is a defensive back slash wide receiver coach name, and I'm immediately worried about him having his hands on our quarterbacks. Second off, 
I also saw that Deuce Staley might leave for the Giants, which automatically means he's a traitor and a snake, and he never actually cared about being an Eagle. Uh, you cannot leave the Eagles and go to the Giants after you were a member of the staff, Deuce. That is just a fact. Also, all in on micro. I've been all in on micro for a while. He wore a vest to the Monday morning quarterback interview with Peter King, where they went over the the game-winning score to Zach Ertz. Now, Mike Groh, you can kind of tell that they're taking him under their wing, Doug and, and Frank Reich, because he wore a vest. And as we know, the Eagles coaching staff is big on the vest. Me, personally, I'm out on the vest. I don't think the vest is very comfortable, one. And two, it keeps your arms cold. What is the point of the vest? The vest, I get it, maybe keeps some of the heat in. But... It's also letting a lot of cold hit my arms, which doesn't make me feel comfortable. And I get it. It's a good look, Micro. You look good in a vest, kid. But the vest as a whole, I don't get the point of. Why are we deliberately keeping our arms colder? It's ridiculous. But that's Jack's headlines of the week. Now, this might be personal. And I don't know if anyone else is kind of feeling the same way. But (laughs) pretty much how I envision... Howie Roseman waking up every day this offseason. Like I, I, I imagine Howie in his... I assume he lives in New Jersey. He seems like a South Jersey kind of guy. Like, that's where he would live. He also is a vest guy. I think we're on to something here. The Eagles are big on the vests. But, Howie, I envision him going to bed after reading The Art of War next to his wife. She's already up before he gets up because he has to sleep in because he's a football guy now. And he's just laying there. You know, the sun starts to creep in his room. The sun's fully in now. His room is lighting up. He's awoken by the sunlight. Kind of does the the whole Bambi thing. where Where he opens his eyes and closes his eyes like very intently. He's not ready to wake up yet, but he's up. Stretches his arms out. Says he's a champion. Gets out of bed. Puts on his slippers. Puts on his robe. Goes downstairs. His lovely wife, having already left for work. I don't know if she works or not. Already left for work. Kids already out of the house. It's just Howie in his mansion. Walking around on the rug. Going down the stairs. And as he's going towards the fresh pot of Joe that his wife left behind, as she's, again, out working the day, his kids are already at school because Howie doesn't wake up early to take his kids to school because he's a football guy. Howie is walking towards the pot of coffee, and as he goes to, 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 to pull out the full, freshly brewed pot of coffee and as he is pouring it he begins cackling to himself you know in a weird howie maniacal way howie is cackling to himself because he's already envisioning who he's gonna rip off this offseason in a nick Foles trade and as he's pouring it his cackle grows louder and then once it's fully poured and he moves over to, to grab the paper and, and, and read a really poorly written Marcus Hayes column, he begins to laugh even more. 
because Howie is going to rip off a team this offseason in a Nick Foles trade. He is going to crush a team. He's going to have them on their knees begging him, no, Howie, not a first-round pick and a fourth-round pick for Nick Foles. Do I have to? And Howie, in his weird, maniacal, cackling way, is going to say yes. Yes, you do, because I am Howie motherfucking Roseman, and I'm a football guy. Now, speaking of that, speaking of this whole uh, Nick Foles trade or, or Carson Wentz trade, um, well, see, okay, there's there's multiple hashtag 100 takes of the week, and these are eventually going to happen because people are fucking stupid, and um, and they're like, there's nothing else to talk about right now because the Eagles won the championship, and there's nothing to complain about. So now what everyone's doing is like, well, you know, actually, is is Nick Foles just as good as Carson Wentz? I mean, is he? The, I mean, collectively, those are the hashtag 100 take of the weeks. And well, well, don't worry. At some point this offseason, because this is this is the content you get on the offseason counterpoints, we're going we're gonna to collect some pretty fucking awful uh, uh, Wentz or Foles takes. Because, I mean, like, ser- like, seriously. Nick Foles, honestly, the Falcons had four opportunities on our goal line <laughs> to win a ball game. Uh, and this whole Nick Foles thing never happens. And I still believe to this day that if the Eagles don't get home field advantage, um, then the, this whole run never happens. Underdogs doesn't happen, and they probably lose on the road. I don't want. I don't want. I don't want to put that that hate on on your guys' heart. But like Carson Wentz is the reason this team won the Super Bowl this year, just from you know helping out Nick after he got hurt, making helping him see things on the field, and oh yeah, having that home field advantage was all because of Carson Wentz. So. Uh, just save your, your your Foles should start over Carson Wentz takes for some other fucking city because I'm gonna lose my mind. I'm gonna I'm going to snap at some point this offseason because it's it is so it is the dumbest take in in the entire city. It's going to continue to be the dumbest take in the entire city. I don't care what Nick Foles did in this whole offseason or this whole postseason run. I just, I don't care. I don't care. You don't. You don't move on from a twenty-four-year-old uh, MVP candidate, perennial MVP candidate, every every year for for Nick Foles. Who you have to resign next year. And guess what? You also trade Nick Foles. But whatever. Um, our hashtag one hundred takes of the week go to Bill Polian and Peter King. Uh, Bill Polian is a is a goddamn uh, abomination to to a once respectable football mind. Dear national media. If you could please stop interviewing Bill Polian, take him off all your shows, whatever you need to do. Bill Polian is is the least credible. He's he is more he is less credible than Mike Lombardi. Stop listening to Bill Polian. Because Bill Polian doesn't understand modern football. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He doesn't get it. Bill Polian said that <laughs> It's going to take two first-round picks to get Nick Foles from the Eagles, which is blasphemy. And then Peter King also also said the same thing. Now, the Eagles might hold on to Nick Foles because they're worried about Carson Wentz's health at the beginning of next year. I think it's foolish, but that might happen. That's a legit possibility. 
they would also trade Nick Foles for a first round pick and probably a second round pick. If a team gives up two first round picks for Nick Foles, then they should be forced to close operations. They should be forced to close operations. I'm being dead serious. Because that shows a clear lack of understanding and wherewithal of modern football. And a lack of talent evaluation as well. Because as we've seen, he pretty much needs the perfect everything to be a really good quarterback in this league. So you, if you, if you first off teams, if you are going to trade for Nick Foles, which please do, and please give up a, a first round pick or a second round pick, and he's yours. Two second round, two first round picks for Nick Foles is such a bad take that I question how much you truly know about the NFL. Now that that's off my chest, it's time to start talking about things that are actually good. And then it's still the Philadelphia Eagles. And I don't want people to be like, oh, you hate Nick Foles and whatever and whatever. I don't hate Nick Foles. I am very grateful for what Nick Foles did for us. But also I'm thinking about the future of my football team. And the future of my football team is Carson Wentz. It is not Nick Foles. Even if Carson comes back slow next year and doesn't get off to the same start or was playing where he was before he got hurt in the Rams game, it's more important for Carson to get back on back on track than it is for to win some games with Nick Foles. And the team also doesn't have any second or third round picks next year or a second and a th- or a third round pick next year. So they have six draft picks. Most of them come late in the draft and they're also picking 32. So as you can tell, I'm already getting a little fed up with this whole, you know, Nick Foles should be the starter thing over Carson and whatever. But that's uh, that's for another time. We got plenty of offseason to do that. Today is Valentine's Day. It is time to start feeling the love. And I'm going to go over 20 things that I love about the Philadelphia Eagles. First thing I love about the Philadelphia Eagles, Doug Peterson's balls. Because obviously. Big balls, Doug. He broke the Doug Peterson confidence meter. And he needs a dump truck to walk around with to carry those balls. Doug Peterson's balls are the thing I love most about the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, other things I love about the Philadelphia Eagles. I love the middle part in Doug Peterson's hair. I love that it just goes right down the middle. And then there's fall the, the, the locks of, of silver fall by the wayside right down that middle part. I've never seen a human being with a middle part. But Doug, Doug pulls it off and I love it. Number three thing I love about the Philadelphia Eagles is Doug's obsession with ice cream. I love every second of that. That video was hilarious because not only is it talking about ice cream, but Doug was also dead serious about it. Doug was not kidding. Doug was locked in on making sure they had haagen Number four thing I love about the Philadelphia Eagles is when they lose a close game and you flip over to CSN on, on the post-game show and the, 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 the camera pans to Seth Joyner and it starts moving in a little closer and closer until it gets just a, just past the realm of, of comfortableness and Seth Joyner feels like he's looking right at you as he's, as, he's, as he's getting redder and redder in the face. I live for that. Number five thing I love about the Philadelphia Eagles 
is Carson's sort of half smile. I mean, Cor- Carson's sort of half smile will, will, will make your knees melt and your heart melt. And no wonder he got engaged so quickly. She probably saw the half smile and was like, yeah, I'm in for life. Of course. Number six, I love Brandon Graham's whole smile. Brandon Graham is living his best life. His whole smile, I'm pretty sure Brandon Graham's whole smile could, could solve world peace. There'd be no more wars if you just sent Brandon Graham and he just started smiling, in my honest opinion. Number seven thing I love about the Philadelphia Eagles is Zach Ertz and Julie Ertz. Some are saying they are America's couple. I think they're Philadelphia's couple. Um, that kid is going to be an absolute superstar, but he's also going to be the frustrating, good-looking superstar because Julie Ertz is a freak athlete and Zach Ertz is a freak athlete combined that kid is going to be dangerous on whatever sport, sporting field, court, whatever they desire. Watch out for the future Earth's kid. That's all I'm saying. Watch out. But I love them. Number eight thing I love is when Carson's tattoo is kind of sneaking out from underneath his wristband. And it makes you think for a second he might have been a bad boy. But then it's like an audience of one tattoo. And it's like, nah, he's still Carson. So he's not a bad boy. Uh, number nine is the midweek hype video to give me a midweek football boner. Now, I also don't like that because it gets me ready to, to watch the game and play football, but I can't because they release it on like a Thursday and then they make you wait another two and a half days to finally play the game. So in one sense, I don't appreciate them, but in another sense, keep doing them. Number 10 the coaching we, we talked about this the coaching staff's obsession with the vest these guys love vests and I don't get it because I think the vest keeps your arms cold and if your arms cold it eventually reaches the whole body but I get it these guys want to come off as everyman and they're pulling it off Mike Grow, future offensive coordinator looks good in the vest number 11 thing I love about the Philadelphia Eagles is that Howie's suits are always just a size too big just a little bit they're just a one size too big. The suits still wear Howie, but now he's a Super Bowl champion, and I don't think he's going to have to worry about those vests any, or the, those those suits anymore wearing him because he's a he's a football guy, world champion, general manager. So watch out, Howie suits. You're on the hot seat. Uh, number twelve thing I love about the Philadelphia Eagles is for those about to rock the song by ACDC. If you don't know about the legend of For Those About to Rock, it's what they play when the team comes out. And this might be a hot take, but For Those About to Rock is, is way gets me way more excited than, than Dreams and Nightmares. Just does, flat out. Because it has the slow buildup, and then it's just like, it's just, oh, just thinking about it right now. I'm getting a little fired up here in the studio. For Those About to Rock is something I love about the Eagles. Number 13, Jason Kelsey. Number 14, now this happens right around like June. The the team teases that Kelly Green might be co- possibly coming back as an alternate jersey. I need that tease. I live for that tease. It makes it it makes it move when I think about the Eagles and Kelly Green again. And I love that that midsummer tease when we haven't been thinking about the Eagles because then it's just like wow, Kelly Green. I need I need it. Number fifteen, Malcolm Jenkins brands because. You know, it's a feel-good story because at one point, you know, he was a, an immature kid that got a brand, 
But now look at Malcolm Jenkins. He's a leader in his community. He's a leader of men. He's a leader of my football team. Like, one of the best dudes out there. But that brand's always a little reminder, a gentle reminder that he was a kid at some point in his life. And look how far he's come. I love a good redemption story. Jalen Mills' green hair is the 16th thing I love about the Eagles because it symbolizes that he's automatically a ride or die no matter what. Like, he came in here and all of a sudden he had green hair. He's a seventh-round pick, and it's like, this guy's going to be good. I don't know why, but it's because of that green hair. Number 17th thing I love about the, about the Eagles is Torrey Smith's kids because they are the most adorable slash funniest kids in the world, and I love them. And they're going to be great football players one day. If Torrey Smith lets them. I feel like Torrey might be like, nah, you're not going to play football. But they are the best kids ever. And I'm glad that this one year Torrey was here. His kids came into our lives because they were very funny. Uh, number 18 thing that I love about the Eagles is when Jim Schwartz throws on those aviators. Those aviator sunglasses because you know it's training camp. You know he's came off, came off the field watching 300-pound men banging into each other. So you know he's 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 wearing those glasses to hide the aggression in his eyes, but I can see through those aviators and I see how aggressive Jim Schwartz just was for three hours in that field. When Jim Schwartz throws on the aviators, he, he means business. Number nineteen thing I love about the Eagles is is Chris Wilson mic'd up because Chris Wilson mic'd up makes me believe that I can do anything in life. So when I see little snippets of Chris Wilson fired up, it gets me fired up. And I need more of it. And finally, number 20, 20th thing I love about the Philadelphia Eagles is when Bo Allen throws on anything uh, American. He did it at the parade. There's just something about a man, a 300-pound man in the red, white, and blue that gets me going. And Bo Allen suffices that. Mailbag time? Let's check the mailbag which you can always send questions to at counterpointmailbag at gmail.com. From Andres Gonzalez. Hi, Jack. Greetings from Mexico. Wow. I live in a town that has a lot of Cowboys, Patriots, and Steeler fans, but most of them tend to be bandwagon fans. When I ask some of them which team they root for, many of them answer Cowboys, but then I ask who the quarterback is, and they don't even know. Now, with the Eagles winning the Super Bowl, I can feel a lot of fake Eagles fans emerging. I know you said this is a time to embrace fake Eagles fans, but I'm sure you meant people that live in Philadelphia and have always been and will be casual Eagles fans. Should I embrace these new fans? I can't get myself around the fact that they might simply go back to rooting for some other front front runner team in a sign of adversity. I completely agree, Andres. You do not accept those people. Do not accept those people. We don't accept front runners. I was definitely talking about the people from around here that just came out of the woodwork. You know, they'll watch Sundays, but you know, they're not they're not living and dying with the same. Andres, you are permitted to not embrace those fakes. Because I agree. They haven't been through the same shit you've been through. They don't know the struggle. I agree. You can't accept those fakes. There there is embrace the fakes territory. I agree. I agree. All right. From Dan Hawkins. Hey, Jack. Love the pod. As a fellow diseased Eagles fans, diseased Eagles fan, I took the whole week off last week to drive up to Philly from North Carolina to be there for the game slash parade. 100% worth it. I got a hell of a take I'd love to hear your thoughts on. For argument purposes, let's assume we trade falls. Please, God. 
I'm not sure how you've been reading about the comeback attempt of Johnny Manziel, but I've listened to a few interviews, and the kid seems like he's uh, like he's matured and sober, looking for a second chance. We've seen the Eagles take a shot on a backup quarterback before with Mike Vick to help him get back on his feet and put his life back together. While I know it's unlikely, could you see the Eagles signing Manziel for next to nothing to be their backup? I think with Dougie P and the strong locker room, they'd help put his life back together. Ideally, he could become a legit asset if he shines in the preseason slash need him in a game or two like Foles did and trade him for a pick or two down the road. Let me know your thoughts. So here's the thing is that I hate Johnny Manziel. Now, I hated Johnny Manziel because... I had to deal with people dumb. Like, I was in college when Johnny Manziel was the thing, and I had to deal with all the dumb college bros that were like, yo, Johnny football is going to be like a star, man. Like, I don't understand why these teams are passing on my boy Johnny football. Like, oh, my God, he's going to be so good in the league, bruh. So I hate those people, and it made me hate Johnny Manziel. I still don't know if he's that good because I saw a picture of him like a month or two ago, and he looked fat as shit. And also, like, weird tattoo placements on Johnny Manziel. Um, but if he comes back, looks fine. And, it, 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 and you know, he's, he's staying off the beaten path, or whatever that term is. I'd possibly take a shot on him. Uh, why not? If they need a backup quarterback, like, third string camp, maybe like a Tebow thing. Get a real backup, but maybe bring him in. Hopefully he doesn't create a circus, but I do agree. I think this locker room would be good for him. If he was smart, he'd come here. Uh, from Justin Bradley. Hello, Jack. This is Justin again. I was wondering who you think we should sign and let go during this free agency period. I was thinking of names to say to other diseased Eagles fans to let them know we are all diseased as well. I like the idea of saying a name related to the Eagles, so here are some. One, King Dunlap. Two, Frank Gore. Three, Vince Young. Thanks for your time. Um, so it's hard to just like say the name. I feel like if we wanted to to do these names, it would have to be like, like, who's your king? And then you answer Dunlap or, um, some say this is the Eagles (laughs) most important signing Frank Gore or, something with the dream team for Vince Young. It's not a bad idea. We can expand on that. Who's your king? And then answer with Dunlap might be a winner. If you think that's a winner, I'm not sure it is, or you come up with a better one for Frank Gore, email me. Because it could be something. Um, From Michael Glovna. Again, I don't know why. Uh, Jack, with free agency a month away and the Eagles having the worst cap space in the league, what do you see the Eagles doing with Jason Peters and Brent Selleck contract? Do you see them re-signing Nigel Bradham? And what other offseason moves do you think they should make? Also, if they trade Foles away, what do you think they should get in return? It's a lot of football on this show. We don't always talk football, but we'll get serious here for a second. Uh, well, first off, cap space, it's a good thing that they don't have any cap space and one because that means you have a good team and they have a lot of talent and they locked up that talent. Again, 20 of 22 starters next year under contract, which is great. I think they could I think they could restructure Jason Peters. They did just resign him before last offseason and he's like their most respected player, so I don't see them moving on from him. Brent Selleck's kind of in the same thing, like maybe restructure his deal back down to like a million because if you if you cut him and he wants to keep playing, a team's not going to sign him to a better deal than a million, so restructure that deal, that should be simple enough. Uh, do I see them re-signing Nigel Bradham? So I, 
I would re-sign Nigel Bradham, but I don't, for some reason, I just don't think they are. They've been all about locking up guys early and not letting them get to this point if they really viewed them as a, as a piece. For some reason, it's always felt disconnected with Bradham, so I don't think they're going to re-sign him. Just my gut. I, I like Nigel Bradham. I like him a lot, and I do hope he can stay around, but I'm just not sure. Uh, what other offseason moves? Like, I, I just think they're going to go for depth. I don't think they're, they're obviously not going to make a huge splash in, in free agency. If it does happen in free agency, it'll be through a trade. I think they have to save up money for draft picks. I just, they're kind of in a tight spot. They kind of have their core now just finding depth guys, finding a, a, a slot cornerback if they want to sign a cheap receiver, finding a backup for Foles if they trade him. Really just depth all around. It's going to be a pretty boring offseason, in my opinion. But the Eagles always find some way to be in the headlines, like in the top of the headlines with some crazy offseason moves. So who knows? Um, if they trade Foles away, uh, I'm good with a second-round pick. I'm good with a second-round pick. If a team offers a first-round pick, I will personally drive him wherever he needs to go. Um, from Nicholas, Nicholas D. Virgilis. Virgilis? I don't know. That's a pretty crazy name. Uh, with Patrick Robinson likely leaving in free agency, how do you think the cornerback position shakes out? Um, who would be most likely to move to slot, and and will Sidney take Mills' spot outside? Also, would you like to see Jalen potentially over Rodney at safety? Not big on McLeod for the amount of money he makes, and Jalen seems like a better fit at safety than CB. I agree with you on Mills at safety. Um, I would get... I would personally get Sidney Jones outside as fast as possible because I think him and Darby are your future out there. Um, Rodney McLeod, man, he's he's weird. He's he's not a great player, but we all think he's like good. Uh, he might be a sneaky trade candidate this offseason. I can see them start transitioning Jalen to to there to, to safety. He feels like a safety. I don't think Russell is a safety, but um, yeah, I think it's going to be. If they if they keep McLeod, I could see them moving Mills inside because he did some of that as rookie year, and then it's it's um, Sydney, Darby, Mills, and then work in Rasul as your third guy, or they bring back Dexter McDougal, uh, which I don't know they might do. Uh, from Andrew Johnson. Hey, Andrew from Connecticut. I'm not Andrew from Connecticut. You're Andrew from Connecticut. Uh, living in Patriots territory has been great. Has been a great thing these past few weeks. After all the shit they talked leading up to the game, uh, my question is: What moment from the Eagles' regular season would you consider the most underrated? I think being underrated by almost everyone is is that is that Carolina game. That Carolina game had it all. It was a big national road environment game. They had the refs against them with fucking Pete Morelli. They were down late. And they won a tight ball game on the road in a national TV environment with their star quarterback uh, and the refs against them. It was the moment I was like, this team's legit. This team's really legit. Uh, just that whole game made me so confident in the future of this team, in Doug, in Carson, and this team as a whole. And I think it, it vaunted them to new heights. Um, from Matt Kersich. Hey, Jack, love the podcast. Two questions for you. My first question is, who is your favorite running back on the team? Uh, my second question is, it would be awesome to see all three come back next year, Clement, Ajayi, and Blount, and Blunt. Uh, but I don't think that would be possible with salary cap. So if you could choose two, uh, which two would you keep? So I don't think Blunt's coming back. Uh, I think it's going to be Clement, Ajayi, and I think they might sign Sproles to a, to a, a, a smaller deal. 
but a deal that that's team friendly and and allows him to go out healthy uh, and ride off into the sunset in a better situation than off of a torn Achilles. So, um, but Ajayi is my favorite running back. Also, Corey Clement, uh, still a Cowboys fan and now also a Yankees fan. So I'm waiting for the Lakers jersey to come out because you know he's a Kobe guy. Um, from Scott Maxwell. Pick three Eagles, staff, or players you want to accompany you on a road trip across the U.S. So, uh, so I think Carson would be fun to go with, but like I don't know, I would want to go across uh, across the country because like I want to stop at every single brewery along the way and try all kinds of beers all over the country. Slash, like you know, city life and out in the country life. So I think I decided on I want to go cross country road trip. With Lane Johnson, Bo Allen, and Jason Peters. They seem like three bros. I think it'd be a really fun time. And then also want to drink some beers. And that's all I got to say about that. From Josh Robison. Do we get to establish new habits slash sitting spots for the game days now that the Birds won the Super Bowl? I mean, I think this season proved the curse is broken, so we should have some flexibility to establish new dynasty Tradition. So I think that in in superstitions, I believe that they only last for a year, and then you have to find a new superstition. In 2008, I had my spot. I tried the spot again in 2009. Didn't work. I had to find a new spot, and that spot was actually standing up and yelling at the TV. This year was the spot, but guess what? I had to move the spot because... I had to do a different job, so I didn't have a choice. So, yeah. I'm a pretty firm believer that game day traditions... Now, sure, you want to grab wings, drink beer, sure. But, like, spots... Spots are a, a one-year run. And then you and then you find a new spot, in my humble opinion. So, next year, i got to find my new spot early. We'll see, though. We'll see. From Andres G's. Uh, what movies slash series should I watch now that football season is over? I just started watching Vikings, thirty-eight to seven. LOL. But it won't be long before I finish. So what I didn't realize in my postseason football depression was that Homeland was back on Sunday. And if you don't watch Homeland, I highly recommend it. It's on Showtime. Homeland is fantastic. But if you're re- if you're starting from the beginning. I'm warning you, there's two seasons in the middle where the main character cries too much. And she's not a good crier. It's an ugly cry. It's an annoying cry. And she cries all the time. But if you can get past the two seasons where she cries too much, the final two seasons, and I'm assuming the season opener that happened on Sunday, make it well worth it because it's the best TV out there. Along with Game of Thrones, which I just finished. So... Um, that's my if I have my one recommendation it's Homeland it is so good it's amazing and it's all realistic which is terrifying too um, from Alex Wash I'm just wondering who won Patriot of the Week uh, oh my god so funny <laughs> I can't believe that 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 story honestly said that Tom Brady's mad he's never won Patriot of the Week even though he's won five Super Bowls what a baby also I love that Tom Brady put shooting his documentary Tom versus time on hold it was supposed to shoot probably because they were going to win the Super Bowl and then they didn't and now he's not he's not doing any more episodes so I find that hilarious he's such a crybaby from John Barber is lemonade juice no lemonade is not juice lemonade is closer to a soft drink 
than a juice because it's 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 some squeezed lemons. Now, if you're squeezing lemons into a thing, it's lemon juice. But now you're adding sugar and it turns into an aid. Lemonade is an aid. It's not like you're drinking straight lime juice or lemon juice. And that's all I gotta say about that. <laughs> From Kayla Fredrickson. Uh, I'm going to the Flyers game on St. Patrick's Day. Should I wear something green or Flyers colors? Well, I'm pretty sure they have a green Flyers jersey in honor of St. Patrick's Day. So I would find that. I would find that. Um, from Vince Quinn. See, now Vince is, is sending in this this question, but he's also banned from the podcast. So is this an, a, a, a sneaky backdoor way to get on the podcast? I don't know. But... He asked, who would win if they played each other in Madden, Wentz or Foles? Now, the answer is, the answer is obviously Wentz because Wentz was giving Foles all the answers uh, for, for making all the plays in the postseason run. Obviously, Wentz is the smarter, more cerebral player. He could read defenses. Nick's a, a one-read quarterback. Wentz, Wentz is picking apart your defenses. So, yeah, I'm taking Wentz easily. Um, from Matt Grumbrecht, which I always mess up, Matt. I'm sorry. Um, what can we expect as a trade return for Wentz since Foles is clearly the guy moving forward? I love this question so much. Now, Matt is obviously being sarcastic, so please don't tweet him angrily. But, annoyingly, that is going to be a conversation. And my answer is five first-round picks. From Smarty Jones, which, if you, have ever, if you watch CSN in, like, the 2006 era when Smarty Jones was around, then you'd remember the Smarty Jones song, which I love the Smarty Jones song, and for some reason, it gets stuck in my head once a month, and it was just some guy, they found at like a cheesesteak shop, and he was just like singing Smarty Jones, Smarty Jones, and for some reason, it's stuck in my head once a month, but thank you, Smarty Jones, for checking in, and RIP, I think you're dead, I'm not sure. Um, when people say the Philly special was a, an illegal formation, should I simply flick them off, or does it merit a full-on bitch slap? Now, I don't promote any kind of violence, obviously. Uh, I have a very quick middle finger trigger. I throw up a middle finger at almost anything, especially driving. And honestly, anytime I see a, 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 someone say the Philly special wasn't illegal, I just I just sigh and say, oh, you fuck. Fuck you. And definitely it warrants a middle finger. Bitch slap's not enough. A middle finger is more egregious than a, bi- a bitch slap or the jerk-off motion. Now, I've almost gotten in about three fights because of the jerk-off motion. People don't like the jerk-off motion, especially in Washington, D.C. after the Eagles lose. Guy tried to fight me for no reason. It was weird. But it's a middle finger jerk-off motion. One of those two things. Because those people are embarrassing. However, that is going to do it for the Counterpoint Podcast brought to you by BGN Radio. BleedingGreenNation.com and BGM Radio as a, as an entity. <laughs> I'll talk to you next week. This is what your second record, and it's the song you wrote. Uh, yes, I write most of the stuff. I wrote.